Sup, cats and dogs. Uh, boys are back. This is the Lifestyle Athletes speaking, coming straight from the battlefield of half-distance triathlon uh, New Cope uh, yesterday. And we got our Jody in Norwich. How's it going, daddy boy? All right, mate. Not uh, not got the nice weather what you've got by the looks of it. I can see the sun beaming through the windows behind you. Like, looks fantastic. What's the weather like in the UK now? Well, it's been, where you're at. In most in most parts of the UK, it's been brilliant. Twenty two degrees here. It's been shit. It's been sixteen degrees cold. Really? Yeah, it's been terrible. There's a terrible bit of uh, weather over basically where I live. There's four or five degrees oh. colder than where you are and the rest of the UK. Mate, that must be a sign because I'm having the weather app up right now, and I'll sh- I'll tell you this today: twenty two degrees. Tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, twenty three, twenty twenty three. Then. From Thursday onwards, so Friday till like Wednesday next week, 30 degrees. Well, hello, Girona and in the Netherlands. Huh? <laughs> and what is it in, How's that? What is it in Norwich? Well, first, how is it in Hengelo? Hengelo is also like the whole week 30 plus. Oh man, Hengelo is beautiful. Uh, around 30 degrees. <laughs> and now Norwich. Let's see what our Jody's got to suffer from. Oh, um. It's all right for you, isn't it? I mean, I must say, this is going to be hot for me. It's going to be coming in hot. Whoa, it's really I bad. I told you, you right. I told you, mate. 15 and cloudy. Yeah. 16 and cloudy. Wow. Grim. That is grim. Luckily, I'm going away to Gerardsbergen, mate, on Thursday. So I'll be uh, escaping some of that nice European weather. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for Gerardsbergen? Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Gerardsberg. Uh, are we going to be able to talk you into doing a leg since you're the on-form man now? Two races under your belt, fastest swimmer in one of them. 50% of the races you've been first out the water. I want to first, before we uh, go in uh, onto my top dog stats, Matt, well, uh, what, what about for the weekend? What are the plans? So when do you, so you're driving down on Thursday? Driving down on Thursday, have a little ride out on the course on Friday. Um Maybe go for a swim, like at the uh, race venue. Chill out on Saturday, you know. Not do that much really. Maybe a little, little ride, little run, and then um, race on Sunday, and uh, give it the big in. Um. All right. So, uh, race on Sunday. What are the predictions? Who are the big dogs on the list? To be honest, mate, I haven't had a massive uh, look at the start list. Like the organizer did send me one. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, Europeans that I didn't know, but you raced against one of them, didn't you, uh, yesterday? And uh, you said he's pretty pretty quick. Mate, I don't think you're going to beat him. <laughs> I wouldn't have had that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, he's he's a solid lad. Like he's a he's a front back swimmer. He's a solid biker. I wouldn't say as strong as you on the bike, but he. Um, he runs a 110, 111 off the bike uh, more than often. What did he run against off the bike yesterday? 110. And what, what did you run? 130. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mate, it was like I had a pin from a foot a week ago and I only been running for three weeks, 20 was, days. I was surprised. This was my longest run this year. Was it accurate off distance? The bike. Was it an accurate 21K? Yeah. 21.2 or 21.1. And he actually yeah. ran 110. Yeah, he may. Are you sure it's a one ten? quick, and you're not just saying that. I am almost 100 percent sure. I can have a look at the results, but he's uh he won uh two seventy point threes, two or something like that. Well, it'll be a good test then. 
We'll see. It will be a good test. Yeah. But Joe, to be honest, sometimes you need someone to push. Oh you. yeah. I want to have a decent crack. If this race goes well and I feel like yeah. I put out decent power numbers and I run quite well, then I might do the PTO race in, um, uh, start of August or end of July, whenever it is the Europe, the American one. So I'll see how it goes. Yeah. And, uh, if it goes well and I think I can do good, then uh, I might do that, but we'll see. He he ran on accurate distance, one hour, 10 minutes and 56 seconds. So 111. Slow then. That is pretty slow, isn't it? He's going to stop him for a coffee or something. Mate, he, he uh, at some point he came past me and it was uh, it's like, I must say, if you can run like that, I mean, you can run fast. Like you run. What did he bike? To, 30s, 235s of the bike, like in a marathon. But I think it's really sexy if you can run fast off the bike. I think it's a, it's a sexy Did skill. it seem sexy? Did it seem fast um, though? Because I mean, 130 is not messing around, is it? So it must have not seemed too too much quicker when he came past you. It must have just seemed like a little uh, bit of a pace increase. Mate, it was, it was, it was like I was standing still. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, anyway, all right. How, so uh, what, this weekend... What did he bike, so though? What did he bike? He biked a 207. All right. What do you reckon his CDA was, then? <laughs> I reckon his CDA is probably something like 0. 0.245 yeah, or we'll something. Yeah, we'll have to analyze... 0.24. We'll have to analyze that. <laughs> we'll, we'll analyze his, uh, his yeah. data. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, that will be a sweet little battle. I mean, it would be good if you come off the bike with like a lead, a three-minute lead, four-minute lead. No, I don't want to come, Ooh, I don't want to come much, off the bike it? with him. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, like uh, he's he's like running you down. But I don't know. Maybe there are some other uh, dogs in the field. Hey, and you're traveling out, if I'm not mistaken, with the whole celebrity team of the Fit Pensioners. The fit Pensioners are out, mate. Uh, we've got Techno and uh, Powerful Pensioner doing a relay. So Techno's doing the swim. Powerful Pensioner's doing the bike. And a local runner, if uh, you watched my latest YouTube video, the 4x5K, Jacob, the guy who joined me on that, is doing the run for them. Is he doing the, the run in the end? He's doing the, yeah, he's doing the run, yeah. Uh, not Lee. Lee was oh, going right. to do it. Lee's not doing it. Jacob's doing it. He stepped up. So he's a, uh, cool. And it's going to be his first half marathon. All but, right, he's, but he's pretty handy. Are the pensioners confident in their discipline? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, powerful pensioners fed up with his TT bike. He hates it. He thinks it's a death trap. Um, it's a planet X one. Why? It's, uh, why the chain keeps dropping off. His arm pads are too low on the side. So his arms keep falling out when he hits bumps, his brakes don't work. And, uh, it's, it's just a death trap. It's, and on cobbles, if your brakes don't work very well and your arms fall out of the TT bars, um, it's uh, a bit sketchy, isn't it? So, uh, He's he's not happy with his equipment. He would like a better TT bike, something like uh, yeah, just something like a new fast bike with uh, disc brakes. Mm-hmm. All right. What won't you be able to hit him up with like some of your sponsor bikes? We're trying to. We're trying to get with a nice de- trying, discount code. We're trying to get him on an Argon. That's the that's the plan. If he was my size, I would have one for him. But he's t- he's too small. He didn't eat his veg when he was young. He was fruit and veg, so he didn't grow very well. Um, mm. So he's only like five, I don't know what five six five seven. 
What about his beard? His beard is very white and shiny. Do you ha- do you ha- ask him sometimes for any like uh, beard tips? I, w- I, I yeah. I mean, I tell him to shave it. To be honest, it's not good for your CDA, is it? Having a big beard like that, and I bet it doesn't. I mean, imagine Techno's like how much water that must gather in it. I bet that slows him down at least a couple of seconds, a hundred. <gasps> <gasps> it's always pretty wet, isn't it? That beard of well, his. Techno did a massive uh, after a, swim. a full on hundred meter effort today. In, in the, the pool. pool, Max, at the end. What do you reckon he did? With fins and paddles? No, or no fins like... and paddles. No fins and paddles. Um, at the end of a session, it was a, it was a fairly tough session. 123. Oh, come on, he's not that quick. He only started swimming like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he started swimming a year and a half ago. <laughs> oh, you mean he's still got the beard? He's still got the beard. you got to take that. 130, 131? 135. That's a PB, one second PB. Oh, I did a sick techno. If you're listening, that's going to be a tough swim on Sunday. <laughs> no, but he's like, that's he's pleased that he's getting better and better. He's reckoning he's got a 35, 36 in the cut in the cards on on race day. <laughs> well, I hope so. I mean, I'm uh, I, I remember when he started off swimming last year. So we we were in Fondremo. Joe and I were always. Um, I wouldn't say we were the big dogs in the pool because obviously we were not, but. Um, it was fun seeing Techno splashing around with all the gears, like the fins, the paddles, and you could see him huffing and puffing at altitude lanes. And then uh, I did, yeah, I did a hundred at the end, sixty-five seconds. I need to get that down and push off the wall down to sixty-two, sixty-three. I think that would be pretty. That would be decent because then I think if you do it with a dive, you'd be around sixty seconds, which is my my target. Long course or short course? Oh, short course, mate. Long course, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. sixty. I wouldn't be a sixty for it. I wouldn't be sixty seconds with a dive. That'd be uh, that's like a fifty-eight, fifty-seven, isn't it? Short course, that. I'm a fifty-four. <laughs> <laughs> fifty-four. Um, anyway, any any highs and lows this week? Um, God, mate, the low is the baby has Arabella has acid reflux, and oh my God, when she cries, mate, she is howling like uh inconsolable crying absolutely crazy mate it's like you're in a war zone like the battlefield you're in the trenches demon state demon state demon child mate you're in the trenches guns are going off and everything and you're like shit 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 what do we do what do we do they're coming over <laughs> <laughs> but why what, what where is it coming from where is it coming well, from is it like stress what you bring to home or uh well no i don't think so because i don't feel like i'm very stressed um, <laughs> uh, like if she eats food and then if she doesn't eat the food she cries she wants the food so you give her the food and then she has the acid reflux and she has wind and you try and get it up and it just goes on and uh, she can be going mental mate um, and you're like Jesus what do we do <laughs> do you sometimes go back to the core of yourself and think how did I calm Noel Milky down when I needed it's to? It's almost as bad as having to look after Noel Milky. It's very, very close. Like if you said to me, you're going on a training camp, Joe, and you can either look after Noel Milky for two weeks or you can look after Arabella for two weeks, what would be the least stressful? It would be close. <laughs> I don't really know what I'd pick out the two. Like I would have to really think about it. Like Noel's very high maintenance, isn't he? You know, like he wants you to do everything for him. Whereas Arabella would just be, if she didn't have acid reflux, she'd be a lot lower maintenance. Uh, it would just be whether or not you can weather the storm of the acid reflux as to whether or not you'd pick her. 
Fair enough. <laughs> I don't have any experience with it. Well, just um, think. If just think, if you're thinking about having kids, you just think no Mulkey, no Mulkey. That's the baby. Can you look after him? Yeah. You've done it before. You've shown him how to cut mm. a loaf of bread. You've taught him like you were his dad, haven't you, in Girona? Would you say I've got the patience to 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 raise a child? I don't know. I don't know. Like when he was cutting the bread and he tried to put a loaf in the toaster and it wasn't going to fit, you were bemused. You were thinking, how how does this guy not see that 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 loaf of bread doesn't fit in where one slice of bread's supposed to fit in, weren't you? And uh, when you were telling him to do scrambled eggs and he would just leave it to cook like an omelette and uh, burn on the bottom, you're you're you you can't understand that, can you? Some of these things you know brain brain error just brain we say error. to him don't we but i think St- I, I would then put uh, uh, just my head puts it in perspective like um it would fill something in for someone else like he's a grown-up man he should know how that works yeah and uh what does he say hey tom how do i do the scrambled eggs is just sticking to the pan <laughs> <laughs> it's all black now is it done yet <laughs> oh my god you guys are such good cooks <laughs> <laughs> we did have a good laugh that one game we did have a good laugh just messing around um so jody my highs and lows my highs and lows <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um i just did a half distance last sunday and it was all going to be a bit tricky because at first i thought like um I can't do the run because I've only been running for three weeks. Then I've got that flipping pin from my foot, but I don't want to like always see the bad things of every situation. So I was like, I'll just, I'm just going to put myself out there and then I will have a, uh, a real um, view of what I can do and what level I'm at. Right. Yeah. And it will be another good day to uh, practice a race swim. So uh, gone went off, good swim. Well, at least I think it was a good swim, something like 10th out of the water. But it was a decent field, mate. It was a decent field. Um, three and a half minutes down from the lead. Now, beforehand, I had, in contradiction to this Olympic distance, so I did this Olympic distance two weeks ago. Bike went flipping terrible, like flipping terrible. Just had nothing in the tank, but I trained a lot that week. So I was like, all right, I was just a bit overtrained. Um so in, in leading into this race, I did some, I did my first high intensity interval session. I was spoke about that on the podcast. It was last, I did it last Saturday. So it's something like over unders into tempo. And it got like a really good confidence boost from that session because I averaged over 30 minutes, something like with the intervals and the rest, something like 350 watts. And I did 25 minutes tempo and 10 minutes of tempo at 310 and 320 watts. So I was thinking like, wow, with all the base endurance, I still managed to have the, the, the power after all. So I thought like, if I come out of the water, I will at least have a good bite lag. Well, you feel where this is going, started off onto the bike, literally I'm two feeling, and a half Ks in. You're going to tell us that you absolutely killed it on the bike. That session was a good indication. <laughs> you caught up towards the front and unfortunately you lost it on the run, but your foot was playing you up, but your bike was flipping awesome. 320 watts. Exactly. That's how I planned it in my head. Um, two Ks in, I struggled pushing 230 watts. I was feeling nauseous. I almost started to puke. My hamstrings were cramping up. And I was thinking, I've never, ever had this. I've not really trained hard last week. I've taped it for four or five days. I did do a run interval on Wednesday, the four by a mile, which I do think maybe have impacted it a little bit. But then still, why, would it, why was it that bad? I thought after 10 Ks, 
I'm going to turn around and call it a day. I just couldn't handle it. I was literally in the flipping gutter, mate. Wouldn't you have to run 10K back anyway? So you're like, well, I might as well carry on running. Or was it a lapped course? It was a lapped course, 45Ks. Oh, you mean on the bike? 10Ks onto the bike? On the bike. Was that bad that you were going to turn around at 10K on the bike? 10Ks on the bike. I was going 35Ks an hour (laughs) average. And I was thinking... What's happening? Like, what is so happening? I, I lost past, yeah. all the confidence. Pe- yeah, shitload of people. There was this Belgium guy that came past me. He said, go on, Tom, go on, son, come with me. And I was thinking, all right, I'm going to give it a crack. Couldn't, couldn't go past 250 watts. Uh, hamstrings started cramping up again. I was thinking, why is this happening? Why me? Then this, <laughs> why, why? Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, I have been putting in some decent hours since, like, the beginning of April. At least I should be able to push 310 watts for 25 minutes because I did it, like, three times a week ago. Um, anyway, that guy came past, and I thought, like, I'll give it one more crack, like, everything, till my legs just flip and implode. Uh, and for some reason, I ma- managed to like completely um, get back into a rhythm. So I said to myself, if I want to have a glass of wine this evening, you're finishing at least a lap, at least a lap, at least 45Ks. Otherwise, you didn't do any training today. I managed to sit in his wheel right at 295 or 90 watts for the first lap. I thought, just going to continue for the second one until I implode. Yeah. Like I want to get at least a training benefit from this race. Um, managed to s- finish the second lap as well. So we, uh, the, the second lap, I had a higher power than the first lap, obviously. Still 295 or 4 watts, which isn't still, isn't that much. Like I did 10 watts more in Almere last year over a full Ironman. Um, but anyway, it was it was better than nothing. Came off the bike, started the run. Just felt completely empty, but I thought I'll just try and see if I can do a short run off the bike, something like five or ten k. I wanted to, do, I don't want to overdo it because I haven't been running that much. And then after ten k's, I thought, am I really just gonna give in? Because I don't really, I'm not a big fan of giving up. But I also got the the other side of the story, thinking, will you do you over push the body? and then get injured and not being able to race the rest of the season. You know where I'm going? <laughs> so I had this discussion in my head, and I then decided to um, jog the full 21Ks. Came in one hour and 30 minutes, um, 21K run off the bike. And what position did that get you overall? 20th. What, ta- what time was, was it for the whole race then? I don't even know what time. Let me have a little look. Um, four hours, four. 15. Four hours 15. So it's not far off what your uh, Ironman PB is. And you just cruise the run. Uh, 70.3 PB. Yeah, that's true. But it's just, there's two things what I find really, really hard. Um, one thing is, um, subconsciously, you're thinking when racing, what will people think of my shit performance? I know I'm, I'm better than this. <laughs> But I'm just not there. That's what, Don't you ever well, have yeah, this? Well, I had don't a shit you, race in that, uh, the last one I did, that OTU Worlds. Uh, and yeah, but don't you don't you ever think anything like this? Oh, yeah, this? You, you just think this is flipping terrible. Like, uh, it's an embarrassment, it feels like. Do you not, Do you know? Exactly. So that's one thing, like the, the subconscious feeling on what will, even though, even though, um, uh, especially me, I don't really care what anyone thinks of me, still subconsciously, you're thinking, uh, this is a shit result and I want to be better. Why does it take so long for me to improve or whatever? That's why I think a lot of people pull out though in races 
because they exactly. don't, they think like they can pull out and you can say, oh, I didn't feel good or I had an injury. And like, no, exactly. everyone's like, oh, okay, that explains it. Whereas if they finish, everyone's like, oh, did you see so-and-so's result? That was absolutely terrible. Exactly. You know? And I thought, I, I, it's my silver lining of the day. Uh, I, I shed a tear on the bike, Joe, because I literally shed a tear. I wanted to, I wanted to call my dad, when, literally 10K, I wanted to call my dad and say, like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, I'm putting in the work. I know I've been off training for a, lo- a couple of months, but I know I'm better than what's going on right now. I don't know what's happening to my body. But then I managed to shift it around and do, like, a 90K good ride, like, all right, um, was for me the silver lining. And then finishing the run. Is for me the silver lining. Yeah, no, I think good job on getting it done, like especially when you feel like that. And at least now you can train this week when you start feeling a bit better and build on it for another race. Yeah. But I was speaking to you earlier today. I think I need to adapt my season a little bit because uh, going off today's race, I don't think I, I am. It would be smart for me to do an Ironman in four weeks because. Maybe, of course, I'm always promoting the lifestyle athlete. And yes, I am a big fan of a glass of wine now and then. But I do, uh, training is still like the full focus, isn't it? Like I'm still training two, three times a day, 25 hours a week. Um, It just takes so much time to get back into some proper form. That's why they say, mate, use it or lose it. If you don't train, you lose it quick. And it takes a lot longer to come back than what it does uh, if you don't. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But... At least it's getting better. It's better. You average basically the same power today as what you did for the Olympic the two weeks before. Yeah. So, yeah. If you see it like that, yes. So yeah. in two more weeks, <laughs> if you could average the same power for a full distance, then it wouldn't be too far off. Then I could say back in the game <laughs> <laughs> for the twentieth time this year. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think maybe this. Um, we always showcase an example on the podcast, saying that we don't like people who always pull out. And it's just so flipping hard, so flipping hard at that moment when you're in it and you're absolutely going through a dark patch because you know you're better than what you're actually performing on that day. Um, But it's just um, that you're being honest to yourself and saying, I started this, I'm going to finish it. I'm just really bad at not finishing something that I've started. Yeah. No, totally. Like, good on you for finishing. Um should we talk but it should be more the it should be more the trend than the uh someone being a hero because he finished the race because in some races sometimes you finished 14th and you're almost that last whereas 40 people were on the start list i've had it in yeah i've seen that races. that happens loads of times though, and i man i think that's flipping lame yeah and then you can't see any of the others because it takes them off the tracker doesn't it so it looks like you just finished last exactly. everyone and um, uh, there's a couple of uh, things I think sometimes people forget the importance of. Um, it's a privilege to be fit. <laughs> it is. I mean, I I'm lost that privilege. I lost still- that privilege a month ago when I did the race, and I was like, <laughs> I thought I was fit. <laughs> no, but you're still you're still able to do a, a PTO, uh, a BFA longer distance race. There's people that, there are people that can't even run 5K, Joe. They're sitting on the couch, they're gasping for breath. Um, it's a privilege to be fit or to be able to work out. There are a lot of people in the world that can't even work out because they've got disability or whatever. It's a privilege to be fit. And also for us as professional triathletes, it is a luxury that this is our job. And I can sit in my, in my camper van or in my apartment in Amsterdam for months and months and escape all the races because I'm not fit. But in the end, how many races can you do a year 
and how long do you get to enjoy the journey? Exactly. And you want to compare yourself to what you've done so far this season, not what you've been before, you know, because like you want to get, you want to get to the best you can be this year, don't you? And then obviously next year you want to try and beat mm-hmm. it, but you want to, you don't want to think about comparing yourself to others. You know what they say, don't you, mate? Comparison is the fee for joy. You know, if you compare yourself to others, you lose the uh, joy in it. But you would do, don't you? Do you know what I mean? Like you, if you think, you like, I want to be, I, you compare yourself to the person that won the race and you look at it and you think, oh, well, he outswam me. He outbiked me. He outrun me. That was shit. What's the point of me doing it? You know, whereas actually if yeah. you think like, oh, I did better than what I biked the same power as what I did in Olympic distance two weeks ago, then that's actually quite encouraging, isn't it? You know, you've done over double the distance for the same power yeah. in two weeks. So if you were to keep progressing at a similar rate, you'd actually be doing really, really well in like six weeks time, eight weeks time. Yeah, well, hopefully. Uh, but that, that's that's how you need to see it. But it's so easy to keep comparing yourself to what you was before you broke a leg or whatever. Um, um, and it's exactly, it's it's the art of, of being able to uh, to live in the moment and uh, uh, compare yourself to like better every day. Exactly. Um, yeah, switch it around. Yeah, that's a good one. Alrighty. So yeah, yes. Did I have fun? I did. I did. And you enjoyed a glass of wine afterwards. A bottle. A bottle. (laughs) (laughs) I shared it. I shared it. Did it feel like that was a good recovery drink afterwards? Were you drinking that thinking I've earned this? Like I feel like this. I did feel, I did feel I earned this because even on the run, I was thinking after 10 Ks, I thought like, this is a proper session. I'm going to finish this one. I'm going to finish it off. And I did earn that barbecue and wine this evening because you had a proper four hours, 15 minutes in the office, uh, whereas you wanted to stop after nine Ks on the bike. This is a massive win. That's what I thought, 100%. That takes us on anyway now to Hamburg. Did you watch any of the race? Did you hear about anything that happened in that? Well, um, literally, uh, uh, I'm in Hamburg was last Sunday with the uh, uh, tragic event where uh, um, a motorcycle collided, collided, what do you say? Collide with a, a cyclist, upcoming cyclist. We'll get into that in a bit. And the uh, motorcyclist died. I think I heard this five minutes before the gun went off at the half distance. So I only heard something like this, like something grueling and grueling happened. Um, and then I didn't see any or hear any of it until later in the evening, like 6 p.m. when I uh, got back home and uh, checked and did my read-up. But you were, were you watching the race? I watched it, but I didn't start watching it until after that. But um because it happened, I think, quite like earlier into the race that I, I wasn't actually awake, to be honest. Um, but um, did you see the actual clip of it? Because I think the clip's been taken down. So I've I've seen the clip. Did you see it? I've seen the clip. Yeah. I've so like, um, but before talking about that bit anyway, the race looked like an absolute farce with all the motorbikes. Like I've, I've read Matt Hansen's thing, 18 motorbikes, he said, near the lead group. That might be the case. That might not be, but... There was at least 10, 12 on some of the pictures that I saw, which is way too many. And people's argument always is, yeah, but you need them for the media coverage if you want to grow the sport. But there was only one motorbike that was filming. The rest of them were just riding next to the athletes, getting in the way and pulling that pack along that it just makes a complete farce of the race because anyone behind, absolutely impossible to bridge back up. And I saw something that Jan Fredino even said, said that he was riding along in the race and he thought this is ridiculous basically the motorbikes are adding that much of a game to it that it's not even making it a legit race you know and with how many years tom have we been saying that motorbikes are getting in the way they're affecting race dynamics like 
all the time. Dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah. I mean, that I've done that race. I actually did Hamburg in 2018 and they turned it into a duathlon, a 6K run at the start and then 180K bike. You would have loved it that year, Tom. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> if you didn't make that front pack on the bike, you were totally fucked. I remember riding along. It was on the exact same bit as where this crash was. There was way too many motorbikes. There was probably about 10 motorbikes with us. And you go on like 50Ks an hour and you're like, anyone who's behind us has absolutely no chance of catching us. Like I think we averaged 45Ks an hour in the end. I did 401 for the bike um, and it was a complete fast. And you were literally hanging in there knowing that as long as I hang in there, even though it's really hard, I'm putting so much time into all the others because I'm just getting motor paced along with the whole group. And you're thinking, this is bollocks. Like, you know, anyone who didn't even, there was one guy I remember, I can't remember his name, but he had been on form that year. He did the run, the 6K run with us. We went into transition. He had a slow transition, missed the pack. We put 15 minutes into him on the bike. It, we would have never put 15 minutes into him. He biked a 416, which is pretty solid, you know, for a, a legit effort. Yeah. We biked a 401 because I got paced along by a bloody 10 motorbikes, you know, and then it just turned into a mm-hmm. running race between a few of us, the, the ones that managed to hang in there. That was actually the race where I had to ask an age grouper for a gel. Like I ended up having to let him go towards the end because <laughs> I was bonking, like, you know, trying to hold, like, keep uh, just grinding, looking at the headset, you know, hanging in there thinking, don't lose the motorbikes, don't lose the <laughs> motorbikes because you knew it was like that was race <laughs> over. You're just thinking, this is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But what do you do, you know? And um, same thing happened in Switzerland. You were there in that race and we had a load of motorbikes next to us and they were kind of like, they didn't feel like they were pacing us too much at the front. But the problem was, as soon as you dropped behind or anyone dropped behind, all the motorbikes were there. You couldn't get dropped because it was suddenly you had five motorbikes in front of you and it just forced you back in. So if you felt like you were getting dropped, there was no need to put any effort in to stay with them because as soon as you drop back 30 metres, the motorbikes moved in front of you to go to the back of the, what was the group and then all of a sudden five motorbikes pace you back up and it just keeps the whole group together and basically means that you can sit in there for hardly any effort and even if you are one of the stronger ones and you want to try and get away, you're riding really hard at the front but the guy's sitting in behind you are saving 100, over 100 watts because of all this. And, it, and, and then, yeah, that's not even to talk like the the dangerous bits of it. I mean, there's been other races, I think, where people have been hit by motorbikes, but obviously this one, um, the athlete uh, or the motorbike driver died, didn't they? Um, but it was crazy. I mean, like, first of all, the course wasn't safe because it was on a very, it was on quite a, you know, it wasn't that big a road and there's two-way traffic. But second of all, I don't know what the motorbike driver was doing because on the clip that I saw, they would have known that athletes were coming the opposite way because on one of the pictures that I've seen, you can see an athlete already going past. So I don't know what in their right mind made them think, I'm just going to put my foot down on the bike and zoom up facing oncoming riders to get to the front. I mean, it seemed a bit crazy to me. Yeah, but some articles said that the motor motorbike motorcyclist uh, um, was having a heart attack. Oh, bloody hell. So, yeah, I, mean, I guess there's nothing you can, that's just uh, nothing you can do. I mean, the courses then, the safety of it has to be that, should courses actually face on should you have two-way traffic in these races because if something like that can happen it's just not safe because that could happen to anyone and you're opening it up to a potential fatality you know like i could be riding and there could be say for instance a draft buster who's with some age groupers i'm racing along all of a sudden that draft buster has a has an episode like that crashes into you boom you're paralyzed neck down you're in a wheelchair the rest of your life 
you know mm-hmm. the, you know the courses aren't safe if they're like that are they and also the af- the riders maybe should have to i think should have to do a course where they're taught about cre- keeping the correct distances to the athletes so they don't impact the races um and also maybe do a medical or something so they are fit you know i don't know do you think Ironman should have stopped the race. So there were many, many people that said, uh, so the stupid things we can t- talk about. First of all, the announcement that something have, had happened during the race. So what I understood was they came out with the uh, with this uh, uh, horrifying news a couple of hours after uh, when it happened, whilst everyone that was watching it knew what happened. And no, nothing, no one from the commentators said anything or whatever. Do you think... Um, they should have said anything immediately or I think they should have addressed it on the commentary they should have said there's been a very bad accident some of you might have seen it on the coverage and said that we're not focusing on the race at the moment until we get this sorted and we'll get back to you or something and let you know how the situation's progressed and they should have had a bit of empathy about the person that had the crash then they should have addressed it Mm -hmm. to completely ignore it was absolutely ridiculous because everyone that saw it knew there was something horrendous that had happened it was all over the internet at that time people had been writing in and even when you watch pro cycling, there's been some terrible crashes. They don't just ignore the fact someone's crashed off the side of the mountain. They say, oh, there's been a tragic event. Yeah. And, you know, he's been airlifted to hospital. And as soon as we have some news, we'll let you know. And they should, they should have addressed that with people. They should have told you. Yeah. you know? I think to completely ignore it and then say about how it's been a great day's racing is just completely fucking ridiculous. And it just gets people, you know, wound up because you're like, oh, right. So that's how much you care about people's lives, that you're just going to completely ignore it. And it's like, oh, that was just an accident, you know, or something that was like, that can happen to anyone and we're not going to acknowledge it. And it's just like, you know, you deserved it almost, you know, they should have like, no, I just don't think they showed any empathy, did they, about the person that had happened and like, you Flipping know. Flipping nuts. But I don't, I don't like, I don't want to, if you're sitting there with the commentary, I don't know, I, I, I myself, my first response would be like, oh, what the hell is going on there? Whoa, exactly. shit. I think we, we all saw a crash. Um, like you want to address the fact what, what was happening because that's what happened in pro cycling as well. Yeah. There's a crash or Formula One. Like everyone, it's just natural behavior, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean- First instinct. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, with regards to stopping the race, I don't know, that's a tricky one. But I guess you'd have a partial stop at least where you just stop the age groupers after the crash, you know, or whatever. And you just say, mm-hmm. look, we need to sort out what's going on here. If it's safe to do yeah. so, we'll restart the race and, you know, we'll take X amount of minutes off your time because there's been a very serious crash and we need to see what's happening, you know. And then just assess the situation and start it, you know, and take that amount of time off people who have been stuck there or something like that. I don't know whether or not you'd stop the whole race. I mean, that's a, without being there, it's a tricky one to, to say, you know. I mean, um, I, I don't really know, but like it's, uh, but definitely they should have addressed it, I think, on the coverage and let people know and said that they like, you know, to completely ignore it, I think, is what's got people really wound up. But the thing is, with all these motorbikes, it's been everyone has known something like this was going to happen sooner or later because they have way too many people on the courses, the, the roads aren't closed. Generally, I mean, I know this was closed, but there was still two-way traffic on a road that's not that wide. I think when you saw it, you, it was probably like each lane was one car wide. So if you've got thousands mm-hmm. of people riding back and forth on this stretch, which I've done before, is at least 20K, it's pretty dangerous. Um, yeah, because at some point you would have 
someone riding, someone overtaking, then on the other side, someone riding, overtaking, and maybe a motorbike. Exactly. That would be five people and two lanes that and would some, be covering the same distance. Some of these guys. And that, ridiculous speeds coming at each yeah, other. Yeah, some of these guys that ride on Zwift all the time, I mean, they're not used to bike handling. If they've got to take a gel while they're riding and say it was a windy day and a bit of crosswind gets them, it's going to blow them over to the middle of the road anyway. And if that blows them over to yeah. the middle of the road while someone's coming head on, there's going to be a head-on crash, maybe with another bike, maybe with a motorbike, who knows. Um, also, it's got me, it makes you worried a bit about Nice because I know in Ironman Nice, the roads aren't closed and you've got a descent uh, at the end, which, you know, we've done it before. That last descent isn't closed roads. You know, when we did it and we thought it was closed, it weren't closed. Mm -hmm. It was open. I didn't realize. Oh yeah, there was a car coming, wasn't it? Well, uh, uh, I can't remember that now, but like there could be loads of cars coming and you, I thought the, I just assumed the whole court race course was roads closed. But someone told me. I remember at some point there was a car coming and then we were like, oh, wasn't this road closed? Yes. Like we found out during the race while we were going like flipping nuts here on down. Yeah, so world champs, that road's not closed and you're going to have all the media. Are you sure? Maybe during the world champs. No, they've said they're not. They said they're not. Yeah, yeah, which I think is crazy. I think that you can't, you shouldn't be having that as the world champs without closed roads. Like, But that shows you that triathlon is still really a newbie sport. Oh, I think it's just they're not they just don't want to invest the money in it and I think with in regards to coverage and having the motorbikes it's like a chicken yeah but how can you have a world championships event or just like any event with the safety not being in first because place because they don't like not close roads I do get this with some local distance races but like massive Ironman branded races in like big cities um, how can you not have closed roads and, and, and cars on the road? You know, you have, uh, you, there are multiple crashes a year with a car on events with roads not I can closed. Tell you, mate. How many deadly crashes do we still need to have before we all find out and need to think like, oh yeah, we need closed roads. I don't roads. think they will because it costs money to do that. And that's money that they won't make as profit, which they would rather make as profit for the shareholders of the company. And they weigh it up. Do we want a safer race and we make less profit or do we want a slightly less safe race and we'll just tell people it's not closed roads and we get more money? And I think that's the answer, isn't it? You know, if they actually genuinely want to make it closed, they could definitely do that. But they'll make less money from the race. This is, by the way, with a lot of travel and races in, in general. Um, but there are so many, uh, there were two crashes with a, a car in the, um, this was not during a race, during a training ride in the US last week with two, I think it was one age group, one professional. Um, horrific crashes. You can see it multiple times a year. You're just so, so vulnerable on the bike. But when you're training, you know that you should be uh, having your guidance up with regards to other people of traffic, you know? Whereas in a race, you don't really take it into consideration. Well, no, exactly. That's the thing. You've got your head down. You're like in the zone. And I think it makes it very dangerous. I mean, I, when I did Ironman Barcelona last time, I can't remember when that was, but that was two-way athletes coming towards each other on a narrow stretch for like a few kilometers. And it was so dodgy. You were literally like a meter away from people. If you were overtaking someone and someone else was overtaking someone, it was less than a meter between you. And I mean, say I'm going 45Ks an hour, they're going 40Ks an hour. That's 85K an hour crap, head-on crash, you know? You mm -hmm. could come off that so bad, you know, and all it takes is someone to just lose concentration, a bit of a crosswind, and um, that's 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 what you get, and that's not even with a vehicle. I mean, you had like motorbikes and stuff in the mix as well. Um, it's just a recipe for disaster. But I can't see things changing. I think everyone will kick up a big fuss, but because this has been a uh, an ongoing issue that people have mentioned for for ages now like the safety of the courses and people kick off for about two or three weeks and then people forget it. And then it goes back. I mean, going back to Kona 
can, Matt Russell had a big crash in the race where a car pulled out from a junction and he ended up going through the windscreen and ended up in hospital and could have killed himself. That's during mm-hmm. Kona and like nothing happened about that, did it? You know, same thing can happen again. Um, so I just think that it makes you question a lot of these races and think how safe are these courses? Like the the appropriate measures really aren't being taken into into place, are they? You know, you, you don't seem like mm-hmm. you really get this in pro cycling where cars will wander on the course and start going the wrong way down a road and everything, you know, it just seems it's a bit like the wild west out there and you kind of going out on these courses and you're thinking that is we're taking my life into my own hands here you know like for instance yeah well it definitely um made made me more cautious during uh uh last couple of races i've done um like not blindly trusting the the roads anymore as soon as i hear this the, the course isn't closed i'm thinking like all right this is probably then just i'll take it as a, tra- a training ride sketch, yeah i never ride with my ho- with my hat full yeah, down you can't risk it can you especially when they say that it's not a full closed road it's just not worth it i mean if you end up at like uh josh the guy who i train with you know josh holman he did a race last year wasn't a completely cl- wasn't a closed road a car came up he was on a descent there was nowhere to go he ended up going off the verge hit a metal pole broke his neck Luckily, he's actually back in training now, swimming and running, but he could have been paralyzed, neck down, you know, he could have been in the wheelchair for the rest of his life. Um, mm-hmm. It's just so dodgy out there. You've got to be so careful, I think. And uh, it's because people don't understand that when you're in a race and you're going for it, you're not got the same awareness as you have in training. You pay all these money. I mean, it's not like these rents are cheap. Sometimes they're charging six, 700 pounds and you want to give it your all in the race and like empty the tanks. And that's what you think you're paying the money for to be in a safe environment where you can test yourself and push yourself to the limits. But actually a lot of these races aren't providing you the course where you can actually do that. You know, it's actually not much safer than what you'd get in a normal training ride really. Um, but they're luring you into the fact that you can actually give it your all. And if you are in the zone, you're not thinking like you would normally. I'd rather do a race whether it's Ironman branded or not, in the middle of flipping nowhere, well, it should be like easy reachable. Um, but with closed roads, instead of Ironman Amsterdam through the city center with not closed roads, you yeah. know? Yeah, totally. But anyway, there's not much more to say really about that, is it? It's just a no, terrible situation. Exactly. And uh, hopefully the other people that were involved in the crash are all right. I've not heard much uh, else about them, but like fingers crossed for them. But definitely Iron Man's going to be having to sit around the table with their uh, regards to media handling and uh, response to uh, situations happening. Yeah. And then... It's just like in a relationship, mate. It's better to address it when (laughs) something is happening than sweeping it under the carpet until you've got like you're reasoning up what you're going to say months after, you know? It's just like address it when it's happening because people see it. It's, it's strange. It was on live television. I don't know. I just I just can't can't really uh, think it was in charge that made them. Uh... Anyway, um, anything in specific you want to talk about with regards to like uh, training and racing? Uh, we can use uh, me as an example or yourself. Uh, in regard, what do you mean in training and racing? I don't know. I thought maybe you wanted to say something. I know. I'm just. Uh wanting to hear the next bit what you found for the uh, bullshit buster or what you what caught your eye because you told me before the show and it sounds right. quite good i've got the bullshit buster so ladies gentlemen cats and dogs um we've got this uh, professional youtuber 
uh, also a golfer, and he's a part-time triathlete. Goes by the name of Lionel Sanders, and he's well known for his roller coaster lifestyle. So he's got ups and downs. He was one of the best in the world, and then he's, he's not, and then he's one of the best in the world again. But he always finds something new <laughs> to change. That's what I like about this guy. Like he's just you should get he him always finds something, and then yeah, and then when he's when he found something. So this year he came second in Kona. In 2018, if I'm not mistaken, was it 2018? Uh, no, well, yeah, no, 2017. 2017. By the way, before we go any further, so, can we at some point contact Lionel and see if he will coach you and you like can talk about that on the highs and lows about how the training is? Because I'd love to know how the training goes with that. Like one day you'll be doing lactate testing and proper scientific. The next week it'll be <laughs> fuck the lactate. Just go by feel VO2 max. <laughs> I don't even know if I would be able to handle his coaching sessions. If he if we were were coaching someone, but anyway, um, so when he changes something, he changes everything. So he came in second in Kona, and the year after, he said, "I came in second. I want to win. I'm going to change everything." So now he found something that he never tweaked before, and it is his commitment to eating. He didn't healthy. even know about it, mate. He didn't even know it was a thing. He, he what do you mean? He didn't even know that vegetables and fruit was good for you. He just thought it was a fad. Like he thought it was like, Shut he up. did honestly, he thought it was like lactate, you know, he thought like eating an apple and people saying like eating like, you know, bananas, blueberries and all that, that is good for you. He just thought, no, it's just, they're just saying that they're just trying to sell you something, you know, like why is a blueberry healthier than some cheese? Like it's just calories, you know, <laughs> calories is calories. calories is calories. Um, but now, so since this is the bullshit buster, my question to you, Joe is, do you think his fully commitment to eating healthy is a bullshit buster? So is eating healthier going to change his already outstanding results to like top, top, big dog? Or um, do you think it's a bullshit buster? Well, from listening to the video, you haven't listened to it, but the only times he said he got protein were, guess when? When do you think he ate meat? The only times he said he In ate it. No. <laughs> yeah, with what food? He said like he went vegetarian. <laughs> he realized that was that fucked him because he wasn't getting enough protein. But then Aaron wanted to stay being a veggie. So she does most of the cooking. So he mainly has vegetarian stuff. But the only time, right, <laughs> I'll tell you this and you'll laugh at this because it's, it's funny. The only time he <laughs> eats meat, he said, was when he had the pepperoni on a pizza and chicken in a curry from an Indian. That was the only time he said he ate meat. And I'm not even lying. Whoa. And he said the only time he ate lettuce, when do you reckon that was? During Christmas over at his No, parents? when he gets a burger from Burger King, when he gets a Whopper, that was the only time he had lettuce. Do you really reckon that he eats that, that he ate that unhealthy I before? can't believe, surely as a professional athlete, I can't believe you'd eat that unhealthy. But that's, that, that is just what he said in the video. But and I think if he was eating that unhealthy, then it's going to be an absolute revelation because you can't run a Ferrari on four star, can you, Tom? You know, if you've got that Ferrari, you have to put the top fuel yeah, in. On on other hands, if you if you were able to achieve all the performance what he did on flipping lettuce, Burger King stuff, and uh, Taco Bell, then uh, hell yes, and he's got a ripped body. So um, then I would say it's, I, it's the government government. Uh, I feel like if I was a sponsor and I was sponsoring him and I went to an event, it would be the equivalent of me having a really, really freaking nice car, really nice million pound supercar. 
and I'm saying, you can borrow my car. And then I go in the car with them and I'm letting them drive and they go to the petrol station. They're in America and they try and put the cheapest shittest fuel in, you know, that 88 stuff. And you're like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You can't put that fuel in this car. You're going to ruin the engine, you know? And that's what he's been doing for years, isn't it? He's just been putting the cheapest shittest fuel in the car and then trying to get it to set lap records around the Nürburgring. Not going to happen. <laughs> you know, you're losing, you're losing 150 horsepower there, mate. But still, but still he got up to like decent speed. I mean, you well, can't Well, yeah, but really, Ferrari's yeah. still going to beat a Corsa, isn't it, mate? Even if you put shit yeah. fuel in, it's still going to go around there better than a Volvo, you know? But if you want to beat the other Ferraris or if you're an F1 car and you want to be the best, you ain't going to get it from putting shit fuel in, are you? So you would say his commitment to eating healthy is not a bullshit buster? No. I've, or would you say there is a line in between and he shouldn't be like overdoing it with like super duper uh, healthy Yeah, now? I think like everything in moderation, a well-balanced healthy diet is, you know, what you want. Uh, exactly. But I don't know how Because healthy. we've got people listening with a full-time job, with married Yeah, but Tom, uh, kids, his, they can't only on his eat video, like super duper he healthy. He doesn't sound like he's going to go super, super healthy. Like his idea of super healthy was eating two liters, was drinking two liters of chocolate milkshake a day. And that was what he was. Two liters of chocolate milkshake? Yeah, that was what he said he was going back to. He said he used to drink absolutely shitloads of it, two liters of it a day. And that was, that was when he was eating healthy. <laughs> so I don't think, <laughs> when we say eating healthy, <laughs> I don't think he's going extreme eating healthy. I think he just means he's going to get some protein in. And he's going to get more lettuce than what he gets in a Burger King. I can't imagine. He's I think going. Lionel is a proper tank that he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to be on that plan. <laughs> you, you, I mean, imagine if you, uh, if you rustled up him up some dinners, mate, took him some red wine and stuff. God, could you imagine? You'd be turning him into an absolute machine, wouldn't you? He was wondering why he wasn't recovering properly because he wasn't having the protein and the lettuce and stuff. He just couldn't understand. He couldn't wrap his head around it. I don't uh, think he likes the red wine. No, he's. I think he's more of a beer drinker, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, that's it for this week then, uh, Jody. Yeah, well, catch you next week, mate. All right, see you next week. And by the way, there will be a new episode of Triathlon Mockery College with a strength training coming out later this week. What about week. our one, mate? So, uh, what about with Nick Yaris? Oh, yes. And we've got another uh, podcast in the pipeline. It's already in the pipeline with our good old Nick Yaris. He's a, uh, he escaped. He doesn't escape from prison. He did escape at one point. He did escape, didn't he? And then handed himself He did in. escape at one point. Anyway, Nick, we're, we've got a podcast with Nick Yaris, um, who has been sentenced for uh, 24 years to prison for something he didn't do. Uh, it's about mental toughness, mental resilience. And uh, he recorded from his flipping car, so the audio quality isn't great. We, he was sitting there in the car, and I was saying, Nick, is this for real? We paid you to do this. And he said, this is all I've got. So, um, yeah, well, it's true, yeah, right? it is true, it is true. He's not lying, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a bit weird. But um, no, but it's, it's, it was a good podcast. It was a good podcast. We're going to get that one out. It's about mental resilience. Um I could have thought about that this that race. Like, Tom, you think about pulling out on the bike after 10K saying you're fit and healthy. This guy sat in flipping prison, got raped and everything. No, he didn't get raped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think so, anyway. <laughs> I think he did. We've got the explicit podcast as well. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, mental toughness. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> you didn't get raped. <laughs> 
Um, that's probably one of the movies I've watched. Yeah. Um, we'll see you back next week. See ya. See ya.